Okay, so I want to open the show today with something that I hope makes you laugh. Uh, as we look at all the deals, whether it's uh, big names going from St. Louis to Toronto, from Washington to Boston, from Vancouver to the Islanders, and we'll see what happens with that guy in Chicago, and if slash when he shows up with the New York Rangers, uh, I get a text from someone. <laughs> someone in hockey media just sends me this note a couple of seconds ago before the show goes on air and says, because we're all wondering, right? Like, when is the West... When's the Western Conference going to respond? Like, hello, anyone in the West feel like doing anything? Anyone in the Western Conference want to try, try to make your team even a smidge better? Anyone, anyone out there in the West want to? So I get this note <laughs> from someone out West. Biggest deadline win for the Colorado Avalanche is the fact that all the huge fish are going to the East. Not wrong. Not wrong at all. They are the main beneficiaries right now, although I do think i think a lot of us do that you know the vegas golden knights are poised to do something big here maybe like timo meyer big uh okay welcome in uh the theme of today's show at least the beginning of the today's show probably the first i don't know hour of today's show the theme is going to be drama the theme will be drama and apologies if the opening of the program here kind of sounds like your high school lunchroom but you just play the hits and you play what's provided to you. We're going to go over the Penguins situation right now. That's drama-filled as well. That's coming up with Elliot in a couple of moments. Tough loss yesterday uh, for the Penguinos, uh, getting just spanked by the Edmonton Oilers last night. How about that Connor McDavid goal? Actually, both. Um, okay, in the spirit of high school lunchroom, the Vancouver Canucks beat the St. Louis Blues last night. Blues had a 2-0 lead. Great comeback by Vancouver. Man, did Elias Pettersson look great, comma, again. Afterwards, we have comments from the head coach. And today, we have a retort from a future, I shouldn't say future star player, from one of their young star players. First of all, here's Craig Berube, head coach of the St. Louis Blues, after yesterday's disappointing loss to Vancouver. Our, our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Okay, you know players always get their backup when coaches or managers bring up the money. It's one thing to rip a player. It's another thing to bring up the money. But we'll park that for a couple of seconds. So that's Craig Berube, head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Now, this morning on his uh, usual radio hit on uh, an ESPN affiliate in St. Louis, Robert Thomas, perhaps one of the players that Craig Berube was referring to, he is, after all, one of their stars, responded have a listen yeah it's obviously frustrating to hear that and um yeah i've been a part of this team for a long time and um you know what he said that it could be further from the truth um you know i know everyone in that room cares and uh yeah it's frustrating to hear um you know you go through big ups and big downs of pro sports and um you know i've been a part of the team when we're winning and you know part of the team i'm you know we're going the other way so uh, it's frustrating, and you know, it, you know, it feels like we, we've just been chasing chasing the play a lot lately. Um, you know, you don't have control of it, and you know, it doesn't doesn't look like you, you know, the best best out there when you're chasing it. So, um, you know, I've always taken accountability, and 
um, I know I need to be better and, and step up and find a way through this, but uh, it comes as a team. Um, it comes sticking together, and um, you just got to get back to it and, and keep fighting and, uh, you know, work your way through it. Craig Berube's comments could not be further from the truth. That, according to Robert Thomas of the St. Louis Blues, we'll see where this one heads. Like, St. Louis right now are one of the more interesting teams around the NHL. We've seen deals, whether it's a Tarasenko deal, the Ryan O'Reilly deal, we're still waiting for the Ivan Barbashev deal. Uh, we wonder if there will be a Colton Pareko deal. We wonder if there will be a Tory Krug deal. Uh, and we also do wonder if there will be either a Jacob Chikrin or Timo Meyer deal with players actually going to the St. Louis Blues. But right now, coach is hot. Right now, one of the star players not picking up what Bruby was putting down last night. And the season goes on. And the trade deadline is on the horizon. And there's still lots of hockey to be played. Things aren't going very well right now in St. Louis. That's the obvious statement of the day. Things also not going very well. In Pittsburgh, we'll pick up that story here as we kick off the show. Elliot Friedman on the other side. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, Jamal Mayers is going to join me at the bottom of the hour as well from the NHL on Sportsnet. We'll talk a little tour around the NHL and maybe a special focus as well on the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the teams that Jamal uh, played for and uh, was a teammate of Patrick Kane. Maybe get some some insight from Jamal there. Also, Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff, NHL analyst, former NHL goaltender, one of our favorites around this part, around these parts, rather. McKenna's going to be joining me here in hour two. And also, we have our, uh, our Week in Review with Matt Marquez. And there's going to be a few things that I think we should do. I mean, this was a pretty, you know, action-packed week by way of, of trades and movement and stories. So we'll try to get you all caught up as you head into the weekend with Hockey Night in Canada on the horizon tomorrow. Speaking of Hockey Night in Canada and by extension 32 Thoughts, uh, Elliot Friedman once again kicks off the program. Fridge, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing a lot better than the relationship between Craig Berube and Robert Thomas. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard the Robert Thomas retorts uh, to what uh, to what Craig Berube said last night, but on uh, ESPN Radio in St. Louis today, uh, the main, the money quote was what, um, Craig Berube was talking about, about, you know, passionless hockey. Um, Robert Thomas said could not be further from the truth. I know things aren't great in St. Louis and we are all following the O'Reilly deal and the Tarasenko deal. And we'll find out about Barbashev and maybe some players coming in, etc. But right now it seems as if everybody in that organization is frustrated. This isn't the way the season was supposed to go. And you're starting to see some rips at the seams now, whether it's Craig Berube or this morning, Robert Thomas. Well, look, again, this has been one of those things has been my standing comment uh, all the time, uh, uh, Jeff, is that we always complain when people are too bland. So we can't start ripping people when they get get to be really blunt. So uh, I'm not... uh, I'm not in a, in a situation where I'm going to criticize anybody for saying how they feel. <laughs> like, look, like, like, I, like, like I, I don't have any problem with anything Barube said. Um, you know, St. Louis was on a little bit of a run. They made the trade with Toronto and they haven't looked good since, mm-hmm. um, you know, last night you're up to nothing on Vancouver. You got to close that one. Yep. And they didn't. And, uh, you know, to Vancouver's credit, I, 
I know the, the pro tank fans out there don't like the uh, comeback <laughs> against Nashville that got them a point and the, yeah. the comeback against St. Louis that got them two, but you know, the Canucks are playing really hard here, yeah. but look like I, I, the one thing I think here in St. Louis is they're kind of making a little bit of a run. They're, they're getting back within striking distance. The math isn't great, but they're getting within striking distance and that trade happens with Toronto. And I think that just sucked the life right out of them. Mm-hmm. And what I think last night, what that was from Barube was, okay, it's, it's enough feeling sorry for yourselves. Like, I get it. It happens. That's the business. It states. But, you know, you're still getting paid, and you're still representing your jersey. And, you know, Craig Barube, he played 1,000 games in the NHL the hard way. Yep. You know, you think he's going to accept – uh, you think he's going to accept that kind of an effort? No, he's not. So I think that was a kind of shot across the bow. Like, hey, let's. I, we, I know you guys feel bad, but let's move on uh, about this. Um, let's let's get back to playing. Yeah. The the only one thing, because I'm with you. Like, listen, Craig Ruby can say whatever he wants. He's closer to the team, obviously, than I am, and has his finger on, has his thumb on the pulse. The only thing that I that always rubs me the wrong way, and I'm really sensitive to this one, knowing what players go through to get there and what they put their bodies through and what they sacrifice and, you know, the nature of a very violent game. I just don't like bringing up the money. That's it. That's the only thing that mm-hmm. I don't like when it's like, these guys get paid a lot of money. I, I don't, that one just, that one just doesn't sit well with me. Like these guys put themselves in harm's way. 82 times yeah. a year and have done so much to their bodies to get there. I do not, I, I'm not comfortable even, you know, questioning a dollar that any of them make. I, I, I understand that. Uh, I, I understand that. It reminds me of, were you a Mad Men person? I never saw the show. I never okay, watched a so single episode. I, I was uh, like, I, I was a big uh, Mad Men uh, person. Yep. And there's there's one scene I I always remember uh on that on that show. Mm-hmm. And it's uh Elizabeth Moss character Peggy Olson and John Hamm's character Don Draper. And they're arguing about uh her work. And she basically says to him, "You never say thank you or, or great job." And he looks at her and he goes, that's what the money is for. And, you know, I think this generation doesn't understand that, but previous generations, like I get that as a 52 year old male, I get that. I, I understand that because that's kind of the way that that's the generation I was brought up in. Mm -hmm. And so like, like, like I remember watching that scene and then hearing some younger people talk about it, and they said, like, like she's right, he's wrong, she's right, he's yeah. wrong. And I, I just said, like, I understand your perspective, I really do, but I grew up in a generation where that was the way it was seen. Yeah. And uh, so to me, that's a generation gap thing as much as anything else. Every two weeks is a thank you in your mailbox. Um, okay. Yes. The other yeah. source of drama around the NHL right now involves the Pittsburgh Penguins. And when you talk about disappointing losses... Man, that was a spotlight loss last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We know things have been trending downwards for a while now, and now that a team like the Washington Capitals um, has thrown in the towel on this season, not on this team and, and organization, they'll reload and come back next season. 
know, I think we start to wonder the same thing about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I'm not used to hearing Penguins fans chant for the firing of a general manager, but there it was last night. And then Rob Rossi's piece at The Athletic, um, and you talked about this on the podcast that came out uh, this morning, um, a sort of disconnect between Mike Sullivan, who wants a player like Jacob Chikrin in this lineup, Ron Hextall, the general manager, is shy about and doesn't want to scotch two first-round draft picks, uh, given that they don't have much draft capital or prospect capital, etc. How do you see this one playing out right now? Well, like I, like I think they're trying to move capital. You know, we talked about this yeah. this morning, Jeff. Um, like, like I'm with Hextall on this one. I, I, like, I, I don't think that that is like if you're the if you're the Penguins. Look, at, at best right now, they're going to be a seven or eight seed, and they're going to face either Boston or likely Carolina. And you know they're going to be a huge underdog. Doesn't mean they can't win, but they're going to be a huge underdog. And you have to play the percentages on this one. The Penguins don't have a lot of assets. Like like the thing I really I, I like what Washington's doing. They're punting. They've called on the punt team. They said, this is not our year. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of flexibility. We're going to do some more assets. And then in the summer, we will have the flexibility to do some things. Like, I don't think this is a long-term rebuild for the Capitals. I think this is punt. Yeah. We'll let our defense play it out, and then we'll get our offense back on the field. And like for Pittsburgh, they don't have the same amount of flexibility. But I, I think they should be looking to capture – um, I think they should be looking to capture as many assets as they can. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Kapanen. We'll, like, uh, like, to me, Jason Zucker, he's been really good this year. Yep. Um, you know, like, to me, he can help a team. Uh, I don't know about Jari. Like, the thing is, the only thing I worry about him, I, I don't injuries. worry about his ability. Yeah, it's just the injuries. But, boy, he's a good goalie. Like, I don't look at last night and say that one's on him. I mean, there's there was a whole team that got bombarded last night by the Oilers. Um, but like Dumoulin, he started really rough, but now he's going again um, a bit. Like I, I'm doing that. I'm I'm going out there and I'm saying, okay, guys, uh, I, I want to get. At, and then when you see what you've got, then maybe you you re, you go back and say, okay, we've got some more assets. Let's look at this for a Chikrin or somebody else. Like that's, that's kind of the way I look at, I think, uh, like, I think blowing everything you've got basically for a guy, even though he's a good player, Mm -hmm. he's only got two more years under contract. That, that doesn't make sense to me right now, unless you do, you know, you have other things you can do. The, the, the only thing that I would look at with Chikrin, because I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. The only thing that I look at with Chikrin and the two years left on his deal, it's the same thing for Sidney Crosby. Like, I look at this whole thing just measuring up for Sidney Crosby. And to the point about Mike Sullivan, this is true of all coaches. Coaches don't care about draft picks. Coaches, that we've said this before, right? Like, they're not in the green banana business. Managers are in the green banana business. Coaches want players. How many times did we work with Doug McClain and he sat there saying, I don't want to hear about what's coming. I want to know who's here now. Because I've got a coach now. We've got to win now. And to your point, if you're Mike Sullivan, 
you're looking at that first round and you're saying, I, I don't want to go in there with a pop gun. I want to be able to have something. But then to the previous point, that's where the manager steps in and that's big picture. But the problem is the big picture on this one too is they re-signed Malkin, they re-signed Tang, they re-signed Russ, the band is back together. The story of the Pittsburgh Penguins is we're still going for it. Are they kind of hemmed in by that now? I, I, yeah, they're in a tough position, Jeff. I'm, I'm not going to argue that with you. I, I think they're in a really, really tough spot. Um, I, I think that, I don't think there's any question about that. But look, like all you have to do is look at one of their biggest rivals and say, this is not our time. Like, do you think the, the Capitals are packing? And again, different cap situation, yeah. different asset situation. But that's the whole point. You've got to come up with a plan where you can say, like, you, can, you have to sell your guys on, guys, this is why we're not doing this, but this is what we are going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, the other thing I think about the Penguins, and I, I really do think they feel this, is that they really have to remake their bottom group of forwards and make them harder to play against. Like, this team gets pushed around a lot. Oh. And in the playoffs, where the games get meaner and nastier, I don't think they're built for that. Look at the Maybe out, they can bring Colby out of the... Maybe they can bring Colby out of the broadcast <laughs> booth. Uh, there's, a, there's a few guys on that broadcast crew that they could, they could pull down. Yeah, that's true. Would, would be pretty tough right now. But the thing... The, the that is true, actually. The, the interesting thing about that is, like, we saw this in that Islanders game. Like, the minute that I... Yeah. Like, I I, I can only imagine what went through Brian Burke's head when he saw Ross Johnson going at Yevgeny Malkin. Yeah, you know he would hate that. He would be losing his mind. But you're, yes. you're not wrong. Like they do, and we saw this in the Islanders game. Like they got, they got sand kicked in their face on the beach. So he, he, here's here's the other dynamic at play here as well. I, I would just say this. I would just say this, Jeff. I am. I'm a, I, one thing I've really tried to do in my life is not to throw good money after bad. I'm not always successful, mm-hmm. but one of the most important things you can do in everything in your life, business, personal, everything, is not to say, oh, I made this decision. I know it's bad. I'm going to try to fix it with some desperate move. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to cut bait. You have to say, you know what? I really mucked this one up. Let's just go on to the next one, or eliminate the problem, even if it's going to hurt a little bit. It's one like, I think what you have to do is you have to go to these guys and say, guys, this isn't working. Here's how we're going to – Here's it's a, not the path we all wanted, yeah. but it's the path we're going to have to take, and here's why it makes sense. It's one of my favorite bits of advice, Elliot. Never try to catch a falling knife. Just let it hit the floor. Never try to catch a falling knife. I think you can knife. do it. I think you should try <laughs> Um, you know, the other thing at play here, and ultimately like, there's there's no answer that, that we know here, but just to have it on the table. You know what this is? This is the first test of who is Fenway Sports and Hockey. This is, this is uh, I, don't, I don't want to say it's the, the I, mean, I don't want to be, you know, hyperbolic about it and say call it like a, a major crisis. But this kind of is the first test of, okay, how does this new ownership react to this? I don't know the answer. I don't know if you know the answer. They know the answer, but we don't know it yet. But just to have it out there on the table, this is the first test of new ownership for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, I think that's a good point. I don't think we have a great body of evidence in hockey to understand that. Right. What we do have is a a good body of evidence in the Red Sox, and they like a plan. 
Mm-hmm. They expect the plan. Like that's one thing about them is they like to be updated. They, they like to be updated a lot. Mm-hmm. What's your plan? Uh, okay. Well, you already mentioned the plan for the Washington Capitals and we know what the plan is for the Boston Bruins and that is Stanley Cup. And these two teams got together yesterday Orloff and Hathaway for a first, a second, a third, and Craig Smith. And once again, the Minnesota Wild play banker uh, and retain some of the contract for Orloff and Washington retains 50%, etc. Um, how did you greet this deal yesterday? Well, like it, it, was, it was a surprise, no question, because it came together really quickly. Like, like we really didn't have, like, you know, like Brian McClellan, the GM of the Capitals, I think he only really decided he was a true seller in the last few days. Mm-hmm. I think he was leaning in that direction, but some of the results in the last few days just made him say, you know what, forget it, it's over. Right. And so, like, basically, like, I, I think there's a bit of a stampede on some of Washington's guys. Um, I think there's quite a bit of, uh, like, the names I'm hearing a bit more of today, and we'll see where it all goes, are Jensen and Eller. Um, and you know what? Some of the teams that I, I think have been following to the Capitals quite a bit lately are teams like um, Dallas, L.A., Tampa Bay. And, you know, I also wonder about Edmonton for some of those guys. Um, you know, don't forget Kenny Holland, Nick Jensen. Like, there's a history there, so I always yep. kind of think about that. Um, you know, like, uh, so I've heard some chatter on, on those guys pick up. But look, like McClellan had a plan here. He was going to try to sign guys. If he couldn't, he was going to move them. And, you know, the, you know, the Bruins did a lot of uh, looking around. We talked about the Gavrikov thing on the pod today. There's, there's a very clear difference of opinion between Columbus and Boston about what happened here. Yep. Um, you know, I said on the podcast this morning that Columbus thought they had a verbal deal. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, Columbus thought more than that, that there was more of assurance than that. Boston says no. And in this league, nothing is done until it's, you know, registered with the league. Yep. Um, I, I think they looked into Chikrin. Boston's got a really tight cap situation next year from the overages with Bergeron and Krejci and what I think they're going to do with Pasternak. So I just don't think that was possible at the end of the day. And I think they also looked at McCabe and Lafferty from, uh, from Chicago but they, you know, they went with Orlov and Hathaway, and I think the difference was they could get both those guys. Um, you know, Hathaway, I mean, that guy's a Bruin. He, he oh. looks like oh. a Bruin. And, yes. um, you know, as we mentioned, he had a game where he scored the winning goal against the, uh, the Bruins two weeks ago tomorrow, and like someone said to me, if he wasn't already on their radar, he absolutely was on their radar uh, right that day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, so, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's what they chose to do because of the two players. You know, it's interesting. Like, there's, there's, a, real, <laughs> there's a real wide disparity of opinion on Orlov. There are some guys who really like him. There are some guys who think he's a bit too much of a wild man for their tastes. But the one thing, and Sweeney pointed this out, and I don't think this is a small thing, he's versatile. He's comfortable playing both sides. And I think from a flexibility point of view in the playoffs where – you get players hurt and banged up because of the nastiness of the of the games. That's not a small thing. You know, I will tell you with um with the Washington Capitals blue line, like there are some players on some very team friendly contracts and expiring yeah. deals. Uh, whether it's Eric Gustafson, whether it's Trevor Van Riemsdyk, 
I can't help but thinking about the Maple Leafs. Like I know around trade deadline, everyone always talks about depth defensemen, add another D and all that. I mean, Trevor Van Riemsdyk makes 950. Eric Gustafson yeah. makes makes 800. Is this not like the sweet spot of the bat for the Maple Leafs right now? I just think that they already have Gustafson-type players, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to tell me it was a bit more of a Trevor Reimstein, Van Riemsdyk kind of style, I could see that. Um, like Again, I mentioned, I mentioned Jensen. Like, Could that be a possibility for Ottawa today? I think Van Riemsdyk might even make more sense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I think those guys, those guys can play with anyone. Um, I, I really do. I, I think, you know, Gustafson, the thing about Gustafson is he, he, the one thing you have with him is, you know, that he could score a huge goal for you. Yeah. And I, I just think in the playoffs, yeah. that's so important. He's, he can score a big goal for you. Um, I can't believe we've, uh, we've broken the first rule of hockey talk radio in the last two weeks. We've gone 20 minutes and haven't mentioned Patrick Kane. Um, well, you know, I, I was going to say to you, like, yes. I can't, I, I can't, are we not going to talk about this? I was like, uh, oh, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's see, because I think today we're watching the New York Rangers and we're watching what they end up doing um, on the waiver wire specifically and what they do by way of trade. It seems as if this is, you know, operation create cap space and then we can yeah. you know, finally land the plane here. Uh, what do you hear? What do you know of the latest on the Rangers? Oh, well, I think, uh, I think I heard Chris Jury yesterday was calling around looking to move money yeah. about 1.6 million in cash space. And that magically enough is the number that's, you know, combination of crafts off and decision. And I think it's possible. They're supposed to practice in half an hour today in Washington. Those two didn't play last night and it's possible. They're not going to play today. I or practice today. Excuse me. Like, I think those guys might get, We'll see if the bubble wrap uh, <laughs> extends to practice. Okay. Um, I think it's also possible if they can't move those guys, the waiver wire comes into play because to do this, I think Boston, or sorry, I think the Rangers might have to go down to 20. Um, like if, if you've done the math, it's really tight. Oh yeah. So I think there's a combination of trades here and waiver wire. Um, I think it's now with Kane, so I, I think it's possible, and boy, this time of year, like, uh, like you want to be so careful, so please understand I'm trying to be careful here. I think it's possible that if this happens, it doesn't happen to the day of the trade deadline because that might be the way that with, 50, with retention mm-hmm. and the Rangers cap situation that this all works is that they might have to wait until the day of the deadline. Now, I mean, like I said, I, they could, I could hang up the phone with you and they could make the trade right at 1230. But I think it's possible that for the Rangers to do this, if they're doing it, it's got to be like right at the deadline time so they can maximize their cap space. So then one would assume if the space gets opened up for Patrick Kane, he gets, I don't know, how do you refer to it, bubble wrapped or nerfed or, you know, uh, only, you know, uh, only practices with tennis balls or not pucks. Like, what, what does Chicago then do with Patrick Kane? I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't if, have a good if, answer if, for that. If, if, you're the, if you're the New York Rangers and you're going through all these, you know, 
salary cap waiver Oof. gymnastics, and then yeah. Kane keeps playing. And you know, last time I checked, hockey's a dangerous game. Yes. Oof. Well, the other thing here is you're on the road, right? Like they're in San Jose uh, tomorrow night, uh, and they're not playing today. They're in San Jose tomorrow night for the Marlowe night. Yep. Like I, I don't like if it was at home, would you feel any extra? You would, yes. Like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, if there's a deal in place, you probably don't. But when you're on the road, I don't think you feel any obligation to do it. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this all plays out, Jeff. But that's what I, I, I'm just, I'm doing the math. And I, I'm, I'm, I just think it's possible that if this happens, we might have to wait a week. Uh, what do you hear about, let's end on this one. What do you hear about the Carolina Hurricanes? I, I refuse to believe that a trade deadline is going to come and go are we even going to approach a Ted trade deadline and we're not going to see Don Waddell do something and probably yeah. something significant considering, listen, point blank, they're one of these, they're one of the teams that can win the cup flat out, full stop. They could win the Stanley cup this year. Yeah, they absolutely could. No question about it. And I think they will add, um, you know, we know they don't like rentals, you know, my schmaltz theory, like, yeah. But- I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going to be what happens. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, the, the, the hurricanes have always tried to be stealth and, uh, and, but, but I, I find it hard to believe they're not going to weaponize that cap space somehow. And also don't forget they're still on their mind until Myers traded. Yeah. There's you no, know, they may be the team. So I wait on him and then we see where, and then we see what they have to do. If Meyer's not the guy. You mentioned Patrick Marlowe a couple of seconds ago on the Patrick Marlowe weekend and the celebration, et cetera. Do you see San Jose specifically and deliberately, you know, leaving Timo Meyer conversations or, you know, consummations of trades off the table until that's done? That theory's out there, but I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast rule. I, you, you do know that generally teams try to avoid blowing up those kinds of ceremonies. Yeah. So I could, it's definitely a theory out there, mm-hmm. but like if someone gives you what you want, you just do the deal. I wonder. I really, I really do. I really do. Uh, hey, real quick. Um, New Jersey, anything, speaking of Timo Meyer, anything with New Jersey these days? No, I, you know, I, I think until the Meyer thing is done, I think we have to wait and see what that all means. Like, uh, I, I think they've talked with some teams about Severson, but I think that's targeted. And I, I find it hard to believe they would leave, leave themselves as exposed a bit yeah. in a Stanley Cup year. Um, like, like, again, like, like the one thing about the Devils is they're really talented, but they're mm-hmm. not very big, right? So, yeah. like, I wonder about a guy like Eller or something like that. Like, do they want somebody with a bit of grease in there? But I think we, like... You know, the, the teams with Meyer, everyone's looking at Carolina. Everyone's looking at St. Louis. Everyone's looking at New Jersey. Everyone's looking at Vegas and who knows who else. But, you know, from the beginning, people have been convinced that New Jersey is going to be the team. Yep. And that might not be right. That may turn out to be wrong. But we'll see. Uh, let me conclude with this one. I opened with this line. I'll, I'll share it with you. And it does sort of lead to a certain discussion and that is namely who benefits. Um, I get a text from someone right before I went on the air saying, 
The biggest deadline win for the Colorado Avalanche is the fact that all the huge fish are going to the east. Are they the ones that most benefit in the west from everybody going to the Eastern Conference here? I can't help but thinking yes, as they continue to get healthier and healthier. I know they've had to shed some skin and take a step back and Kadri's gone, etc. But I wonder if, you know, the 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 winners in the West, if no one's gonna make any moves, are the Avs. Well, I think they need to know that they're getting land before before I'm willing to proclaim them the winners of anything, and I, although nobody wants to see them, I want to make sure that Landeskog is healthy, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing too, Jeff, is that I find it hard to believe the Golden Knights are oh, yeah. something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 quite clear. They're going to do something mm-hmm. and probably something sizable. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so your crazy life continues. Uh, keep that phone charged and uh, explain to your wife why you're texting at 3 o'clock in the morning, as I'm sure you've had to a, f- a few times already the, the past couple of weeks. And we'll check you out on Hockey Night tomorrow. Thanks, Fridge. All right, buddy. Take care. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.